0: listening to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Welcome to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale, the weekly radio talk show where we unwrap and reveal the secrets that successful people use and you can too. Available at successunwrappedradio.com. This podcast is sponsored by GoToMeeting at gotomeeting.com. These days, whether you're in business or simply want to share something with friends and family, email and voicemail sometimes just aren't enough. That's why you should try GoToMeeting, an online meeting solution that will revolutionize how you communicate with your business associates, family, and friends. GoToMeeting makes it easy to provide training and share information. All you need is a PC, an internet connection, and a phone. You invite people to meet you online, they see your computer screen on their monitor, and best of all, you can meet as long as you want, as often as you need, for one flat rate. Try it yourself for free for 45 days. No credit card is required. Just go to gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and type in the promo code PODCAST. That's gotomeeting.com, try it free button, promo code PODCAST. Try GoToMeeting free today. My special guest this week is Bobby Miner, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, sales expert, and author of Dream Big, Win Big. Discover the champion within you by changing the way you think. The book was written from experience. Bobby's a perfect example of how changing your thinking can change your life. He wasn't always in the right frame of mind. His mother was a drug addict and dealer who abandoned him when he was 11, prompting him to follow in her footsteps by the age of 12. His path to a better life began when he refused to let his past dictate his future he's earned top salesman status at fortune 500 companies helped large companies enter profitable new ventures and founded several highly successful specialty publications with no previous experience in publishing now he helps others achieve their dreams through consulting and public speaking and answering questions on shows like this bobby thanks so much for being here to help us unwrap the champion within
1: hey thanks a lot for having me
0: Tell us a little bit more about what your life was like growing up
1: okay well growing up in and this is pretty much the way my book starts out um it's describe it as as a leave it to beaver lifestyle if you will, up until um about the age of six i mean both my my parents we you know we lived together in a a nice little two story house in a nice neighborhood um tree lined in um in southwest fort Worth near t c u um, which is a major university, and pretty much the way anybody would want their their childhood to start and ab- about the age of six, um, literally just almost overnight, one day my dad lived with us the next day he didn 't and, and what happened was my mother had an affair with one of my father 's coworkers and asked my father to move and i could probably look back you know you can't it's it's hard to connect the dots looking forward but but looking back, you can always connect the dots and i would I would connect the dots back to that um as probably the catalyst that that triggered you know everything that would happen after that um you know the house that we lived in, my mother lost we were forced to move, and we moved to um to a lesser neighborhood if you will, and you know that continued and just growing up the way I just turned forty this year, so when i you know I grew up in the um in the seventies um for the most part, 70s and early 80s. But, you know, growing up um, back then, it was almost like living in a commune. You know, my mother, we would come home and you would never know who was going to be at our house and, and what was going on. And a lot of it had to do with the drug use that was going on. Um, I remember as a young child watching cartoons and my mother and a group of her friends would were sitting around um, watching TV getting high while I'm watching cartoons. And they would just pass you know, pass their their joint from person to person, and somebody would pass it to me on accident and start laughing. I would just pass it to the next person. And that's the environment that I grew up in. Um, and that continued until my mother left us. Um, she was married to her thir- third husband. I came home from school one day and asked him where my mother was, and he said that she'd left. And I thought maybe to the store, and she had actually left the state um, and ran off with the guy that would become her fourth husband. And from there, my, my brother and sister went to live with my dad. I lived with my grandmother and started running the streets and, and selling drugs and um, even occasionally using drugs um, at an early age and was pretty much out of control. And and that's how it all started. And, and I would say, um, you know, up till the age of 18, by some miracle I graduated from high school. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I know that I'm a smart man, um but I wasn't utilizing my anywhere near my full potential back then I just I didn't realize who I had inside of me and um even growing up, I mean, I was always a big dreamer. I always had these ideas for things, and um I just didn't know how to harness them and When I was eighteen, I was at a flea market in fort Worth and there's a guy that had um a booth where he sold paperback books for a dollar each, and I had two dollars in my pocket. there's three books that I was really drawn to. One of them was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Another one was See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar. And the third book was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And um, I had to figure out a way that I could get all three books even though I only had $2. And I guess my persuasion skills kicked in. And the gentleman sold me all three books for $2. And that, it didn't happen overnight. But when I, read, when I read Think and Grow Rich specifically, it just it opened my mind to all the possibilities that I didn't have to accept um, what life had given me up to that point and i didn't have to be who society said that i should be which would either be you know a drug dealer a drug addict homeless um um a bad father um a bad husband um by all rights i should have been in, i should have been in prison um for many many years just based on some of the things that i did that I can say nothing more than that, you know, I guess God God was watching out for me because I never got caught doing some of the things that I did. But, but reading those books um, literally flipped a switch within me. And that was, I would say, was the beginning of me realizing that, hey, I, would, I wasn't going to waste my life uh, messing around with the stuff that I've been messing around with.
0: That's interesting because a lot of people read those books, but it doesn't always have that profound an influence on people what do you think it was about you that was different and allowed those books to just really make a difference in your life?
1: Um, well, for one, I didn't know that, that anything like that existed. So I just literally, you know, my mentality was you're dealt a hand of cards um, at birth and however the, the, the cards play out, that's, you know, what you accept. And and when I read Think and Grow Rich and saw that, you know what, your mind is, is not a powerful thing, but probably the most powerful thing, and that your thoughts um, control your actions. It blew me away. I think with a lot of people, what happens is people want everything easy. I mean, I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people we want quick fixes. We want, you know, we want quick answers. We're um, a society of convenience. You know, we, we'll go to Seven Eleven next door and pay four dollars for a gallon of milk instead of driving, you know, a half a mile to the grocery store and paying half that. We want things now. We want things fast. Um, And a lot of people aren't willing to um, go through the growing pains to, you know, to get to the success. And I was willing to do it. At that point, I didn't have anything to lose because the path that I was going on uh, or going down, certainly, um, you know, that alternative wasn't one that was very attractive.
0: A lot of people just get caught in the habit and just continue what they're doing because it's easier What's the key to getting out of a rut and actually making that change?
1: Wow, it's funny um, that you say that because people think, you know, even being a motivational speaker and and getting to travel around the world and share the stage with, I mean, with giants like Zig Ziglar and Les Brown and, and things like that, people think that once you reach that point that you still don't need to be motivated. And I was at an event that Les Brown was at about a month and a half ago at a church here in Fort Worth, and even then, Les said something that it spoke to me then, but it made me, I guess, take a journey down memory lane, and it made me realize what was was the determining factor in in me changing. And it's he said that that basically the single key to to doing anything in life, good or bad, is simply to make up your mind, uh, because when a person makes up their mind for the right reason or the wrong reason, for good or for bad, once they make up their mind, it's very hard to steer them off that course, and that's what it took for me. I mean, I made up my mind that I wasn't going to continue the way I was. I remember there was a time where I thought years ago that if I had a job making $300 a week, that that was the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and um, now, honestly, I'd be disappointed. You know, well, $300 an hour, that, that's not bad, but um, <laughs> it, it's just funny how, you know, when you, when you think small, you get small things, and you have to learn to to enlarge your vision and enlarge your mentality.
0: I use the word habit there, and it's funny because most people associate the word habit with something bad, even though there are good or bad habits. Why do you think people have that negative association with the word habit?
1: Because that's what it's always been been tied to. Um, you know, I talk about it in my book, and, and anytime you hear the word habit, it's usually always with something negative. You don't yeah you don't talk about about somebody doing something good or doing something proactive in regards to their health or their hygiene as being a good habit and it's it's the way you know perception is reality and and the way um you know the way we perceive things to be that's the way they are to us and a lot of it is just the way we get programmed you know the word habit almost um almost one hundred percent of the time is always connected with with something negative with a negative result so
0: yeah, and along those same lines, you had mentioned earlier that you grow up and let society dictate what you can be, what you can achieve, and that seems to be where a lot of people get stuck, is letting society dictate what they can do. Why do you think that we're stuck in that so easily, when you look around and there's so many success stories that we could take inspiration from instead?
1: Wow. Um... I think, I think a lot of people are, are, are genuinely afraid. Um, they're fearful. They're fearful of failing, but they're also fearful of success because once you achieve a, a level of success, then now you've raised the bar and you've raised the standard, and that's what people will measure you uh, by. So it's, for a lot of people, I, I believe it's easier to sit around and talk about things and, and sit around and dream about things than to ever actually take action and take a chance. And that's why one of my quotes is, it's not how many dreams you have, it's how many you bring to life. Because you can sit around and dream about stuff all day long, but if you never never take action, never take a chance, you'll never bring any of them to life. And people I was talking about this yesterday to somebody. You you see somebody that that's a success, somebody that's um, you know, achieved a lot, and success to me is subjective. It doesn't always mean, you know, being a millionaire or, or being the CEO of a company, but we see people that in our minds are successful and we think like that they're the exception to the rule. Like, well, yeah, he's that type of person, or he's a go-getter, or he's outgoing, or he's a people person, or whatever. If that's good for him, I could never do that. What most people fail to see are all the failures and all the struggles that went into that. I mean, very few people ever became an overnight success, but they don't see a good friend of mine... A gentleman by the name of Bernard Bronner. His family—they live in the Atlanta area. They own the largest black hair care product company in the U.S. They were Walmart's vendor of the year. They own a, a national uh, publication called Upscale. They own a movie production company. They've produced some very well-known movies. And I was having dinner with him one time,
0: and I asked him,
1: you know, what what does it feel like? You know, what was the what was the road to your success like? And he said, you know if everybody could only see the 10 businesses that I launched that didn't make a dime or the 10 businesses that I launched where I lost money, they would be blown away, but people only see the success. And um, it's intimidating for a lot of people.
0: Hmm. I guess, you know, taking that one step further, you actually talk in your book about something that I haven't seen too often before, which is that it's actually important to struggle before we can succeed why do you think that struggle is so important in getting to the success?
1: There has to be a value tied to, to whatever it is. If you give somebody something free, um, there's no value associated with it, and people don't, they don't appreciate it. Um, if things come too easy for somebody, they don't appreciate it. They don't, the, the value isn't there, and it can become disposable. It's just like, it's like with anything. Um, you know people that lottery winners that's a perfect example um even though they may have come from from a poverty environment in the blink of an eye or the snap of a finger, they go from being broke to being a multimillionaire well they didn't there were there was no blood sweat and tears put into the acquisition of that money, and that's why I don't know what I don't know the, the exact number, but more times than not, people that win the lottery end up you know broke or or back in their same situation within three to five years because they still have that poverty mindset they haven't you know like I tell people you have to you learn to think like a millionaire before you become a millionaire and i think the struggle is is part of of the process the pro, you know part of of developing who you are and developing that character that's necessary to um to sustain whatever it is that you achieve
0: what does a millionaire think like
1: wow um, oh gosh you put me on the spot on that one um I would say that that that's you ask a hundred millionaires what they think like and you'll get a hundred a hundred different answers. You know, my wife the other day told me she said that she goes you need to just take a day off and she goes no she goes I know that's not possible she goes you need to take a half a day off and don't do anything she goes don't think about anything don't do anything and I said that's impossible because I, I'm always thinking. So to ask what do I what do I think like it, it changes from literally from second to second. I'm just i'm all my wheels are always in motion, I'm always thinking of things and I think that's a key that that people that that achieve high amounts of success don't sit back and wait for it to come to them. I mean you make things happen you have to be you have to be proactive you can't be afraid to try you know one of my I probably had three people that have been influential in in my development as mentors, and one of them um gentleman by the name of Ed Ross that was the VP of sales for um, a fortune five hundred company that I worked for, told me. He said, don't be afraid to try. He goes, just try it. And he said, the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to slap you on your hand and tell you don't do that again. So that's kind of my mentality and everything. I mean, I'll try it. And if it's not the right, you know, if I'm not doing the right thing, then I'll I'll adjust and make my corrections and keep going. But I'm not going to let a small detour keep me from from pursuing whatever it is I want to pursue.
0: Right. What can a mentor offer that we can't find within ourselves?
1: That is... One of the things I was thinking before um, before this interview, uh, I was thinking, you know, what's my favorite chapter in my book? I could say all of them, but the one that I, is my personal favorite is my chapter on mentors because, to me, the quickest way to make changes in your life, the quickest way is to find somebody that's where you want to be and copy what they're doing. This might sound corny, but I say there's nothing wrong with being a copycat as long as you copy the right cat. Um, so. <laughs> But find somebody that's where you want to be, and if they're not available, if you don't have direct contact with them for them to mentor you, but I mean, copy what they're doing, research how they got to where they are, and and do that. That's how that's how I got into public speaking, and um, that's what really lit a fire under me to write my book was I sought out somebody, which was Johnny Wimbrey, uh, a very good friend of mine, and we travel all over the world. Johnny right now is on a plane to London to speak. And I passed on the, on the opportunity to go with him because I'm speaking at my church on Sunday, which is also very important. But you know, with Johnny, I had this dream inside of me. I wanted to be a professional speaker. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to do all these things. And by chance, somebody out of the clear blue, I told this guy what my dream was, and he asked me, do you know Johnny Wimbrey? And I said, I'd met Johnny five years ago briefly. It was a five-minute uh, introduction, and that was it. And he said, well, what you want to do is just what Johnny's doing. As soon as we hopped the phone, I got on the Internet, did a Google search for Johnny Wimbrey and saw that he had shared the stage with Les Brown, that he had all these endorsements. He had written a book. He had CD series. And I said, that's what I want to do. This guy is going to mentor me. He doesn't know it yet. And I sent him an email. He was at at the airport um, in Dallas on his way to Chicago to speak with Les Brown. And I sent him this email, and his response back to me was, man, I love your energy. Uh, We've got to get together when I come back. And when he came back, we got together. And I've never looked back. I mean, it's you know I've been a sponge. I let Johnny. He's really um, taught, taught me so much about about speaking and communicating and and so many things. But there's one thing in my book, and I talk about this that's very very interesting is the fact that Johnny and I, Johnny and I went to the same high school ten years apart. And one of our jokes when we speak at um at the same event is I'll say that he graduated before I did. When in reality, I graduated before him. I graduated. Nine years before Johnny did, and that a lot of times people think that a mentor has to be somebody that's older than you or somebody that a lot of times a lot older than you. And in my case, Johnny is you know ten years younger than me or nine years younger than me now because he he just had a birthday,
0: and (laughs) and
1: it's a humbling experience. I'd be able to humble myself, but Johnny is where I wanted to be as far as far as speaking and things like that. So a mentor doesn't have to be somebody that's older than you; it could be somebody that's younger than you. So that's, um, you know, you kind of have to, to flip the way people think on that. So, you know, if somebody's looking for a mentor, they may have been looking in the wrong place.
0: You can visit Bobby Miner at bobbyminer.com or dreambigwinbig.com. And I hope you've enjoyed the first segment of our interview. But it's not over. There's a full 200% more than what you just heard where we delve deeper into these success principles. To unwrap the full interview and get lots more tools for success, just sign up to become a Success Unwrapped member on any level you choose at successunwrapped.com members. This has been Success Unwrapped with Heather Vail. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of Success Unwrapped, helping you to unwrap and discover your own potential for success. Until next time, keep unwrapping. I'm Heather Vail. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network at Blueberry.com. That's spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com.